Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am in my 40s, and when you get to be in your 40s, certain things about your body just kind of changes a little bit. It's not always a change for the better, let me just tell you that. Uh, but one example of that, and, and by the way, the weird thing about this is, is that sometimes these kinds of things occur, and you don't really notice until like uh, later on. An example of that is when I was younger, I had like the world's most like amazing eyesight. I could see through buildings, essentially. I mean, I had great eyesight, but you know, not too long ago, I was kind of you know looking at some words in the paper, and I kind of realized... I don't think I can see anymore, or at least when it comes to stuff up close. Now, if I'm driving down the road, I can see road signs two miles away. But when it comes to like stuff that's like right in front of me, sometimes that's a little bit hard to see. And that's obviously not a unique thing. A lot of people kind of deal with the same kind of thing. And I mention that because metaphor alert, that can also be true for us in life sometimes too, to be a philosophical blowhard for a minute. The things that are closest to us are often the most difficult to see. Can't help but think about that a little bit after G-Day on Saturday, where I think that for the most part, the response from Georgia fans to what we saw is mostly positive. I think Georgia fans had a good time. Those that had a chance to figure out the streaming internet and tune in to watch it or have now caught up on a bootleg copy on YouTube or uh, happen to be there, one of the few people lucky enough to be inside Sanford Stadium. I think for the most part, the reviews were pretty positive for Georgia, but there are those concerns. When we did our comment sections yesterday, we call it our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. We do it on podcast and video there as well. You know, there were a lot of Georgia fans saying, boy, I got some questions with this offensive line. John Stinchcomb, uh, expert, you know, former All-American offensive lineman, was on the show yesterday saying he feels like the offensive line still a work in progress. To say nothing of what's going to you know, go on with the Georgia secondary, and that's obviously something we'll get to in you know great detail before this show is done and probably talk about this a lot over the course of the next several days. These are all you know significant issues, but these are the kinds of things that we talk about because we are obsessives. After all, I do Dog Nation daily every single day, as the name would suggest. When you focus on one topic that much, you're going to talk about everything, you know, maybe more than someone who's more like, you know, you know, several thousand miles away or 10,000 feet in the air. They're going to look at those kinds of things. And, and the reason why we do this show every single day is because there is an appetite for Georgia fans to hear about Georgia football every single day because so many of you think about this every single day much the same way that I do. And because you yourself, you love following it so closely, you love being your own version of a Georgia football obsessed we do kind of dive in deep to some of the issues and sometimes we fixate a little bit more than maybe we should or maybe other people will on what might be wrong with the program what what might not be perfect with the program but if we did the same kind of microscopic look at Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or programs like that you know the programs that we kind of think of as the top national championship contenders each and every year you would discover that there are also issues for those programs there as well we're just not quite as aware of them because we're not focusing in on those programs as as obsessively as we focus in on UGA let me give you an example that I think proves the point. There's a guy named Barrett Salee for CBSSports.com. A lot of you know Barrett. Barrett's a you know a friend of ours here on our program. He's been with us a number of times before, and he kind of wrote one of these kind of drive-by stories, CBSSports.com, of hey, here's what you need to know about the Bama spring game, what you need to know about Ohio State, what you need to know about you know Georgia and everything else. And he went on to talk about the way in which JT Daniels just looked very comfortable as Georgia quarterback. You've only got a room for a right you know to write a few sentences about you know Georgia, so why not start at the top and talk about what JT Daniels 
Daniels did at Georgia quarterback, throwing the ball to Kiaris Jackson, throwing the ball to Adonai Mitchell. And then at the end of Barrett's synopsis of what's going on with Georgia, this is the synopsis that Barrett Slee gave us. I'll show you this on the screen for those of you who are interested. Barrett says, uh, if JT Daniels can develop one deep threat, this offense will be deadly. Barrett Salee says, and he goes on to say that JT Daniels might actually have a couple of deep threats in this offense here for 2021. Now, I think that's really neat, uh, not just because, you know, Barrett's a guy that, you know, I'm friends with and you know, we've had on the show before and he's saying something nice there about Georgia. I think that really speaks really well of where we were a few weeks ago in terms of, oh my gosh, JT, Dan uh, excuse me, uh, George Pickens sustains, suffers one of the, you know, the, the worst injuries that you can go out there and have, ACL injury. It's the worst news possible for Georgia fans there in the early stage of that spring practice. And I think many Georgia fans thought that might be the moment that set the tone for the offseason and the overall tone would be one that was going to be more negative than positive. Now, I'm not saying the Pickens injury is not a really big deal, and I'm not saying it isn't disappointing for those of us disappointing for those of us who love watching George Pickens play. But I think Barrett Salee's words there being spoken in light of what went down with George Pickens a little bit earlier to say, hey, Georgia still has a chance to be a deadly offense, still have candidates like Kiaris Jackson, like Adonai Mitchell, like, you know, we didn't even mention, you know, guys like Arian Smith who's actually playing uh, for the uh, black team on Saturday, guys like that that can be that deep threat. This Georgia offense can still be deadly this upcoming season. So this is an example, as I said before, of Georgia fans, be careful that you don't get too close to all of this and get too fixated on small details that you miss out on the big picture that for the most part whether it be Cole Kubelik who was you know doing the game for the SEC Network Plus on uh, Saturday Barrett Slee writing for CBS Sports a whole host of other analysts who've kind of weighed in on this that the reviews that Georgia has earned this spring what it put on display for G-Day on Saturday actually really positive and certainly any kind of thought that this Georgia offense would be good enough to propel Georgia this upcoming season into national championship conversation, there is nothing that we saw on Saturday that would do anything to convince someone otherwise if they came into the day believing that, and that is obviously taking the George Pickens injury into account. And then there's this. I told you yesterday it's going to take us a few days to kind of go through all of what needs to be said about what we saw on Saturday, but let's for right now park on the subject of a guy who I think has now graduated from being just a curiosity, you know, Kirby Smart's personal colossus. I, I think we've kind of graduated, graduated beyond this with Darnell Washington. This isn't just a guy, oh my gosh, wait, do you see how he looks in a uniform? This is now becoming something along the lines of, hey, wait till you see the way that he plays. Wait till you see the way that he gets things done. Washington, to me, and I don't want to make too much of a G-Day because, you know, sometimes those can be false positives. I totally understand that. But it kind of couples with everything else we also saw from him, Missouri game, Cincinnati game, to close out last season. Washington is now becoming one of Georgia's weapons. And so when a guy like Barrett Salee says, hey, if Georgia can just find a couple of weapons here, JT Daniels is the kind of quarterback that can deliver them the football. Let's put Darnell Washington on that list. Now, maybe not the deep threat type thing that uh, Barrett was writing about, but in terms of guy who's going to be a big factor in the passing game, tied in now more than just a, as a Rick Gilbert once called it, a stick route position where you run five yards and turn around. Not with Darnell Washington. You're doing a whole lot more than that when it comes to him right now. So if you want to think about the possibility that this Georgia offense, as Barrett Salee said, deadly for the upcoming season, include Darnell Washington as one of the reasons why. In fact, this is Kirby Smart talking about the way that Washington has developed since coming to Georgia. This is after the game on Saturday. 
Well, uh, it's interesting. He, you know, he, he wasn't able to practice all spring, so he missed uh, some time. And, and just getting him back gave us a, a, another weapon, at least for this game. But uh, he missed some time there. And um, I know his conditioning level is going to be important to him to make sure he's, he's really in shape. He's a great target. He's a big target. Uh, he's an athletic guy, and uh, he's a weapon. we got to find ways to be able to utilize him both in the passing game and in the run game because he's a weapon in both. So Kirby Smart talks about his conditioning level and a big guy not trying to be too big. Smart says those kinds of things a lot. I'll make one brief confession. I'll just be very honest here for a moment. Because Washington was so unique coming out of high school, there was a part of me that wondered if he would ever, over the course of three years at Georgia or four years at Georgia, match the kind of potential that he had because he was starting from such a you know, different kind of place. A tight end this big, you don't see a lot of guys like that. You know, coming to a program like this, you know, could you get him ready to do the things that he was certainly capable of doing as quickly as you needed for him to be able to do so you can take advantage of that talent while he's on your roster? I almost wondered if he was just too unique a prospect to actually ever really come to fruition. I really don't think about that very much anymore. Uh, my expectation is that he's going to be one of Georgia's leading receivers this season. I just believe it's obvious that Munkin wants to use him. I believe that it's obvious that Washington is capable of being used. And Kirby Smart says, hey, be careful that you don't get too big, otherwise you can't run those routes I totally understand that I personally you know obviously more far far removed from this than Kirby is worry about that kind of stuff less than I used to in fact what I saw from a guy over the course of his first year on campus was a guy who has really grown into a role and seems to be still growing into that role at a you know, pretty impressive pace. In fact, Georgia quarterback JT Daniels, who's so well-spoken on stuff like this, gave his uh, opinion of how he has seen Washington progress from Saturday. This, to me, sounds all like good news. Yeah, you, you definitely do see a development in him. You know, last year, obviously, when you're coming from high school football to a real, you know, Coach Munkin NFL system in college, uh, there's, a, there's a shock that hits you right away, um, you know, just because there's so much to it. Uh, you see it this year. Um, he gets a signal right away, and he knows what he's doing. He's not thinking twice about it compared to last year. You know, everyone that's new has a you know a lot of mental errors, and you know it's just, it's just new. Um, and in terms of his development physically, I think he's gotten a lot smoother um, in terms of getting in and out of breaks. Um, and he's always had good instinct, but it's gotten even better to me in terms of understanding where the ball is going to be thrown, uh, understanding where his grass is, uh, and really taking advantage of you know his size. So I, I just think that's a great description by JT Dams, the way that Washington's learning to find that green grass against own coverage maybe, and obviously in some cases just outrunning guys and, and man coverage. Uh, even as big as he is, he's capable of doing that. He is truly a matchup nightmare. And you know, for someone like Todd Munkin, who does come from the NFL, where tight ends are a big part of what happens on that Sunday league each and every, you know, each and every year, using Washington a lot this season, I just think it seems like a foregone conclusion. By the way, also practicing against a guy like Darnell – is terrific for uh, Georgia defense there as well because that's the kind of matchup that you come to Georgia for. So you can, you know, and it's a cliche to say iron sharpens iron, but you get better going up against good players every single day. That's something that Georgia linebacker uh, uh, Quay Walker talked about after a spring practice on us, uh, or I should say spring game G-Day on Saturday. Here's the Georgia linebacker. It's pretty fun to me because uh, going up against a guy like that is really going to help me throughout the season. Um, he's going to bring a lot of different matchups uh, just by how big he is and by him being being able to move how he moves and, you know, things like that. So let me just see if I can sum all of this up for a moment. 
Georgia has legitimate concerns, concerns that must be addressed over the course of the summer, heading into the start of practice, and then as Georgia gets ready to play this upcoming fall. Offensive line, probably one of those still. Defensive secondary, which we're going to talk more about in a moment, probably one of those still. But as a fan, don't let what's not quite perfect with Georgia cause you to be distracted from what is really fun to watch developing right before your eyes. This offense, as a sports writer has said, has a chance to be deadly this season. And a guy like Darnell Washington, that's in many ways unlike any player that's ever played in this program before, could be one of the big reasons why. That is a lot of fun. It was on display on G-Day on Saturday, and frankly, as we head towards the fall, I, I can't wait to see what happens next. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, WorldFamousDogNation.com. By the way, even more platforms on the way to be able to experience this show really soon. Can't wait to tell you more about that when I am able to. That is going to be a really, really fun. New horizons on the way. And listen, none of this would be possible without the great support of our sponsors. I love my friends at Engineered Solutions Georgia for a number of reasons. You know, listen, it's great to be in Sanford Stadium on Saturday, seeing Georgia on display. And it's such a reminder to me that great companies like ESOG that are proud partners of UGA, helping support what Georgia football is doing. Fun to do business with them. Uh, as I said before, Engineered Solutions of Georgia have also been a really good friend of ours at Dog Nation for a long time right here on Dog Nation Daily. So when it comes to your foundation, your waterproofing issues, Put my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia to work for you. One of the reasons why, with such great confidence, I can recommend them is because I know how smart they are. They got two full-time engineers on staff. Now, listen, when it comes to the structural integrity of your home, the way that can be threatened by water intrusion or the foundation issues that can show up in the form of cracked walls, things like that, you want the smartest people possible you know, doing that kind of work for you, and that's what ESOG provides. They're also a solutions-based company, so... When it comes to simple solutions and sometimes things that initially look kind of bad are actually a little bit easier to fix than you might think. And ESOG is more than happy to kind of just provide you an explanation for a simple fix for your problem. But if it is more substantial, all the more reason to have uh, a true, you know, trailblazing expert company like Engineered Solutions of Georgia getting the work done for you. The great news is as well, they're super easy to get in touch with. You can simply give them a call 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW, and that will get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. All right, uh, great to have all of you with us. It'll be Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. We'll talk to Connor about his takeaways key from uh, G-Day. And now here on Around the Doghouse, I want to kind of shift gears just uh, slightly. So I talked about, hey, uh, just to begin today's program, big picture, everything looks good with Georgia. Big picture, G-Day seemed really fun, and that's certainly true. But now let's drill down a little bit more because we do want to kind of cover you know all bases on this. And obviously, I think that if you started the spring by thinking, hey, defensive back and what's going to happen there is – a little bit of a concern for, for UGA. I certainly don't think you end the spring feeling any different. You still believe that Georgia's 
Got to try to figure out what's wants to do with cornerback, especially safety-wise, when it comes to Lewis Sane. I mean, my gosh, how, how much better of a safety could you get than that? And Christopher Smith seems to be, you know, growing into a role pretty nicely for UGA there as well. But what are you going to do at cornerback? When Kirby Smart spoke after the spring game on Saturday, he also acknowledged that, hey, listen, we're still kind of where we were trying to figure out what we have there at those spots. This is Kirby Smart. And then a defensive back. It doesn't change. It's day to day. We're, we, you know, we've got two safeties we feel like have played pretty good and are experienced. But at corner, we've got to find uh, guys that are comfortable, can make plays down the field, and make plays with their back to the ball. So, listen, day to day is probably a good description on that. You know, this anytime you're learning something new, there's good days, bad days. There's sometimes a version of beginner's luck a little bit there, but there's also the thing where it becomes hard to maintain the consistency of what you did well doing that again the very next day. And we probably see that or hear about that some from George coming up in practice uh, practice here as we head towards the summer. These guys have time to get ready, but there's no doubt Georgia had so much experience and talent in those cornerback spots that they were really just kind of rotating guys. You had DJ Daniel play well. You had Tyson Campbell who played at a high level, going to be a big-time draft pick. Obviously what Eric Stokes did kind of as a fixture in that group the last few years. You can't lose that kind of experience and not have some drop-off or some growing pains trying to find their replacements. But the good news is, is the football is truly the ultimate team game. There are 11 guys on the field, and the job of the front seven, defensive line, linebackers, the job of them is to help out this secondary. And by the way, even with you uh, you know, breaking in new corners and getting familiar with what they bring to the table, uh, they're – their experience kind of growing into a role can be made easier by what very good defensive linemen and linebackers are doing. To hear more from Quay Walker here for a moment, that's one of the things that Walker said. He's watching those guys trying to improve, but knowing there are things that he and his fellow teammates can do to make that job just a little bit easier. This is Quay Walker. Overall in the spring, just a whole lot of young guys trying to get better, including Amir Speed, um, just getting better each and every day, working on technique mainly, uh, you know, Still got a lot of things to work on, not just them, but everybody as a team. Um, but as in the day, uh, probably was just technique-wise and things, you know, they need to fix us as well as a whole defense. You know, we can help on the back end by pass rush or whatever it may be from my standpoint as well. But overall, I'm pretty impressed by the effort. That is not a flippant throwaway comment. That when you see, I thought Nolan Smith had a very good day on Saturday. Obviously, Adam Anderson brings a ton to the table. Linebacker for Georgia, you know, uh, potentially a really deep position. Defensive line, maybe the best that Georgia's had in quite some time. And, uh, you know, arguably among the very best in the entire country. That the presence of that pass rush, the presence of that, you know, domination you hope in the run game, all of that making the job of the secondary a little bit easier. What Walker says there, I, I do think matters. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Obviously, if you're deficient in the secondary, especially the cornerback spot, against these high-powered offenses like the very best of the SEC and around the country kind of have right now, you could be in trouble. But there is a way to help them. There's a way to help. Whoever it is that emerges in those spots, there's a way to help them grow into that role. And big games from Walker and the rest of the front seven could certainly be a way to do that. That is Around the Doghouse. We're going to get Connor Riley here in a moment. Before that, let me also give a quick shout-out to my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for the Georgia divorce. The divorce process, scary and confusing, but Meriwether and Tharp has been through that thousands of times before. That institutional knowledge they can put to work for you to make your situation better when it's all said and done. Make you whole again when it comes to your finances, your retirement accounts, your, your relationship you know, with, with children and everything else. Meriwether and Tharp can do that for you. So let me recommend them if you find yourself in the 
first steps towards maybe something that's going to end in a divorce, uh, check out my friends at uh, Meriwether and Tharp online at the Atlanta Divorce Team. Dot com. All right, we've got a lot to do before we're done. Uh, big news coming out of Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm not quite so sure how Vols fans should take this, but we'll address that before we're done. Uh, but for now, on everything, the good, the bad, offense, defense, everything in between from G-Day on Saturday, let's speak to Connor Riley as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Kroger Fresh Take Time with Connor Riley. By the way, don't forget, we've got a big uh, event taking place around Dog Nation over the course of the next few days with my friends at Kroger. I'm going to tell you more about that before we're done with this conversation here with Connor here today. First of all, Connor, uh, good morning. Thanks for being here. Appreciate your coverage of G-Day from over the weekend. I know you've got a lot more to unpack from the game. Seems like it just takes us several days. When you know when it's Georgia guys on both sides, you're kind of having to rewatch a lot of this stuff over and over again to sort of see everything that took place there. So I know you're probably still in the midst of kind of processing it all. But let me begin this way. I started the show by saying, hey, don't get so fixated on small details that you miss the big picture. And if you want to go, you know, national media types here for a moment, I think big picture for Georgia after G-Day, spring overall, even after the George Pickens injury is that Georgia earned positive reviews, especially on the offensive side of the ball and the offensive upgrade that seems like it's been a couple of years in the making. This does seem to be taking place right now. And for me, Connor, there's nothing more important from the spring if you want to talk about key takeaways than that. Yeah, if J.G. Daniels is the quarterback that we saw on Saturday, especially I think late in that game where they were getting him extra reps and trying to purposely drive the football downfield, Georgia's offense is going to be more than good enough to contend at a very high level this season. I do still have some questions about the skill players and what they ultimately look like at the end of the day, but, I mean, Mike Griffith gave him the game ball, I think, for good reason. J.G. Daniels was every bit as advertised and looked a lot more comfortable than he did at the beginning of last season, and has really, I think, made big strides so far this offseason. And, you know, there's something about the Daniels performance from Saturday I think it needs to be pointed out is that there are some, and maybe you would now say past tense, there were some anti-Georgia trolls waiting in the wings, ready to pounce, because, you know, Daniels had kind of an uneven freshman year at USC. The games that Daniels played a year ago for Georgia, with the exception possibly of the Cincinnati game, to close out the year were against not the stiffest competition that Georgia faced that year. If Daniels were to have had a bad day on Saturday, there would have been a lot of people who would have been leaping out of the woodworks on social media to say, oh, are we sure that JT Daniels is as good as some of these Georgia fans think that he is? And I'm not saying that you know a spring game proves a whole lot one way or another, but to put a punctuation mark on what has been a very interesting ride for Daniels at UGA thus far with more big-time stats, I, I do think gives you a little bit of an as-advertised vibe for uh, JT Daniels, which to me is not nothing. Yeah, I, with JT, there's there's a certain maturity about him. It feels like when you're talking with him, when you're discussing and watching him play, there's an adultness to it. You know, him coming from that SC program where that, for a while, that was the biggest football game in town there. That's a really high-pressure position. It is something that he gets similarly faced that level of scrutiny getting to Georgia. And having said all that, I, I think he knows that this is all about business this year. Saturday was a chance for him to show, hey, I can be one of the best quarterbacks in the country, even if I don't have my full cast of weapons around me. As Georgia gets healthier to skill position and sort of figures itself out at those spots, 
I, I think Daniels is only going to continue to grow and get better and show that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Connor, Darnell Washington used to be a project. Now he's a player in my mind. Discuss. <laughs> I mean, first, I want to give a shout-out to Dan Jackson. He was the one that tried to uh, tackle the tank that is Darnell Washington in the open field. Just got absolutely obliterated, but came back and made a pretty nice interception later in the game. But, I mean, if that's the player we're going to see this season where Georgia's using him split out wide or getting him the ball in creative situations, ways we thought and talked about potentially getting a Reed Gilbert the ball. I mean, if he's playing like that this fall against Clemson, against Florida, good luck trying to slow down this Georgia offense because he is an absolute man-child out there. And if he continues to pick up the sort of nuances of this Todd Munkin offense and Georgia is allowed to do more with him as he gets more comfortable with it, I mean, that's a level of athleticism that not just Georgia hasn't seen in a while, but college football really. You know, Kyle Pitts is a different sort of athlete than Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington is just a, a full-blown monster truck, tank, whatever ginormous vehicle, titanic ship you want to use to describe a tight end and pass catcher. Yeah, I mean, Washington was Georgia's fifth leading receiver in terms of receiving yards a year ago, short season, of course, with only seven receptions. I just get the impression that this year, and let me caveat this by saying that primarily Georgia fans first and foremost want to have a successful offense but beyond that they're also curious about how the component pieces of that are all put together and there is a thought of hey you know let's see Georgia use Washington to his you know highest and best value here I just think we're on the verge of seeing that you know if he was one of you know if he was Georgia's by by receiving yards a year ago if he was Georgia's fifth leading receiver I don't see how there's you know any chance that he's not you know top four or even higher than that this upcoming year I just believe that Darnell Washington is going to be one of JT Daniels' primary targets. Right, and what you lose in Pickens, that physical outside receiver, while Washington is not the leaper that Pickens is, he does bring that same sort of physical presence, I think, to where one-on-one situation, if you're a corner, like, good luck trying to prevent him from getting the ball if he's got positioning on you. So I'll be really interested to see how Washington sort of gets used in games that really matter. Is he still sort of that inline tight end guy, or do they continue to flex him out like they did on Saturday? to, uh, unfortunately, to all of R.C.A. Carroll and Dan Jackson's demise, yeah. I think how he continues to get used is going to be very telling about how this Georgia coaching staff feels about the potential and upside of Darnell Washington. Fair and balanced. Let's talk some concerns here for a moment. If you were in the position of Kirby Smart right now, do you see, if we assume that Tyke Smith is a, is a nickelback right now, do you see two cornerbacks that you would feel comfortable starting against Clemson? I do, but I don't think they were both on, uh, I guess, the black team to start. I, I, I think come Clemson or, you know, maybe shortly after Clemson, I think it's got to be uh, Jalen Kimber and Keely Ringo back there. Keely made some nice plays on that second team, specifically that tackle of uh, Ladd McConkey. I think that woke a lot of people up. Jalen, he's just got to continue to get bigger. Uh, we did not get a chance to see Nylon Green out there on Saturday. There's some thoughts, you know, maybe COVID-related potentially right there. So, uh, you know, it's still a concern. I think that and the offensive line are the two biggest concerns coming out of it. And, I mean, you saw a guy like Amir Steed fall down on that long touchdown pass to D-Rob. Lavoxia Carroll, which, again, totally unfair to expect him to cover Darnell Washington six weeks into his Georgia career. But, I mean, I think Jalen Kimber and Keeley Ringo are going to be enough, but you also need to be able to get through the college football season 
with more than just two corners who you think might be the answer. You know I'm a huge D-Rob homer, but honesty does compel me to admit, and I'm sort of in my corner on this and have been since Saturday. I think D-Rob pushed off on the mere speed on the 59-yard <laughs> touchdown. In this particular case, I'm going to have to try to defend a mere speed here. I believe uncalled there was a push-off by D-Rob on that one. That's a tough play, but I think it just goes to show, you know, one of the big things, corners in the short just learning the position – you got to be able to stay on your feet. And while, you know, they may not have called that on Saturday, at the end of the day in the scorebook, it still goes to the 59-yard touchdown catch on the near speed. We will talk uh, offensive line here in a moment. Let me also remind you with our my friends at Kroger, tomorrow is Administrative Professionals Day. So great chance for you to support those who support you by checking out everything that Kroger's got going on. Uh, greeting cards, flowers, so much more. Uh, you can uh, go take care of all of that for the people who are – Listen, I'm a very disorganized person. I, I need uh, administrative help, help in my life. Now, in a lot of ways, this ends up being my wife. But for many of you, you're kind of in the same boat of, hey, you wouldn't get done what you need to get done if it wasn't for those great administrative professionals helping you with that. So uh, Kroger wants to help you say thank you to them. Uh, this is tomorrow, so make sure you're aware of that. It's Kroger.com slash admin for more on this. Kroger.com slash A-D-M-I-N admin for a lot more on that. Uh, Connor, I think that the, you know, the defensive back questions that we just talked about, I would say are fairly substantial in that, listen, I love Jalen Kimber and Keely Ringo as players. I like Latavius Brini and Amir Speed as as veteran guys here too. Um, but, you know, listen, that's, that's a lot of inexperience at a spot in which, you know, um, wide receiver play for the best teams in the country have just been so imp- impressive in recent years that you've got to make sure that you know what you're doing there. Uh, it is also an issue at offensive line, but frankly, I feel less concerned about that. I don't think it's settled. I, I don't quite know exactly what the starting five is going to look like yet for a G day, and if, if I'm sorry for the Clemson game, and if anything, the events of G day maybe make that a little bit more cloudy in my in my mind in some respects. But I'm just not that worried about Georgia finding a good five. If, if anything else, it's because of this that. We're in a day and age now where it's throw to set up the run more so than run to set up the throw. I think the running game gets easier when Georgia's throwing early in the game, first and second quarter, early downs, first and second down. And I just think the job of being a Georgia offensive lineman in 2021 of the Todd Munkin offense is working the way that it's supposed to be. It ought to be a little easier than maybe the certainly the James Coley offense of 2019. You're going to make that comparison here for a moment. But it is admittedly an unsettled situation right now. Both teams, a lot of guys moving around. Jamari Salyer, a couple different positions, not in the game to begin on Saturday. What did you make of offensive line all the way around? I would say of the position groups that I saw on Saturday, I was maybe either the least impressed or, I don't know if disappointed is too strong a word, but I was not was not pleased with what I saw from the offensive line. And, yes, Jamari Salyer, it's important to mention, didn't get the start there. They were working him at both left tackle and left guard. I think they really wanted to give Kate Ratledge a lot of reps there at that right guard spot. So they were moving around Sawyer and Schaefer. Those guys are obviously going to be, I think, day one starters for Georgia when they take on Clemson on September 4th. But, you know, Georgia didn't have a, a designed run longer than nine yards in that game. And, yes, Georgia's defensive line is excellent. But I, I still wonder if this group is going to be a offensive line capable or good enough to be a national championship offensive line. Because what I've said more than anyone, you know, defensive back play doesn't really matter as much anymore as in terms of determining if you can win a national title. At offensive line play absolutely does. And I think Georgia still needs to get 
much better than even what we saw on Saturday at that offensive line spot if they're going to contend and win a national title. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it's left tackle, right? I mean, that's the one big question you really have. And, you know, listen, I don't know how much we're going to make of, you know, what Trust does in this game for the good or the bad or, you know, what the other two tackles and, you know, Broderick Jones and Amarius Mims do on that uh, black team offense. But that's the one spot that you, you really just don't know, you know, I guess what you have right now. And I think it goes back to something I know I talked about last week and maybe you and I talked about together that the longer that question remains unanswered, the more I wonder if the answer isn't the guy that it was, you know, for a good portion of last season. If you don't gravitate back to Jamari Salyer there in that role, at least in the early stages of the season. Yeah, and one interesting thing, I'll have to go back and watch it again super closely, but memory serves, I didn't see a whole lot of Roger Jones at left tackle in that game. I don't and think maybe so. They'd want, and they wanted to get a Marius Mims more reps there at that spot as well. I find that to be very interesting. But, yeah, I mean, the left tackle spot, if Xavier Trust is your guy and has to be your guy, you know, that could certainly be an option. Or maybe Jamari Sawyer is your left tackle, Justin Schaefer is your left guard, and Tate Ratledge is your starting right guard, and that's your best five. It may not be ideal. It may not be what a lot of people thought, but you know, Kirby has said this. Georgia has to find those best five guys. And the question right now is that with Xavier Trust at left tackle or is that – Jamari sorry at left tackle maybe later in the season it turns out that Amarius Mims is that answer at left tackle and, and just keep this in mind and listen I'm not trying to you know carry the water here because you know obviously you know the results are going to speak for themselves but once again if you want to put a positive spin on this offensive line talk the fact that Tate Ratledge was the guy that they really wanted to make sure they inserted into that starting you know lineup on Saturday would leave you lead you to believe that he's above the line of being capable of playing for Georgia right now so you may not know who your best five are but if you assume that you know Ratledge is included here it seems like you now have maybe at least six who are capable of playing and you know you want that depth the guy who's able to move around doing a bunch of things for you know for you I think the emergence here of Tate Ratledge is really a pretty positive development, and I want to make sure that we give enough attention to that. In addition, whatever unanswered questions might remain, the fact that that Ratledge looks like an answer right now somewhere in some role, I think it's probably a pretty good thing. Yeah, coming into spring, if we were sort of handicapping which 2020 offensive line signees would have been most likely to break into the starting lineup, Ratledge would have been at best third. And for him to come out and have the spring that he had is very encouraging. I would also say Cedric Fontran has played well this spring as well. I think the issue with him, though, is just there can only really be one center, and Warren Erickson has continued to do enough there to show that he could hold down that job. So, you know, it's a young offensive line that is, I think, going to need time to grow over the course of the season. I still just was not necessarily thrilled with what I had saw on Saturday. Maybe part of that you can just chalk up to being a really, really good front four that you saw with Devontae White, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, and Nolan Smith really making plays out there. Yeah, so let me move on and talk wide receiver here for a moment. You know, Adonai Mitchell, I said this on yesterday's show, that we've seen like these G-Day performances before that don't always lead to great results during the season. And I just think Mitchell is different than that. I don't know that he's going to be Georgia's leading receiver or anything along those lines. But I think he has proved because what we saw on G-Day match what we heard from people who had been at practices. You have that eyewitness account to go along with the expert testimony. I think that Mitchell's a guy who's 
capable of playing for Georgia this season. I think he's going to be in the rotation. And so to increase the number of guys who are kind of above the line, capable of playing here, I think that's a big piece of news for Georgia. I I thought Mitchell's day on Saturday was more than just kind of the typical hype that sometimes comes after a guy does well on G-Day. So you said you think Darnell Washington finishes in the top five of Georgia receivers this year. Where would you place Adonai Mitchell? I don't quite yet know that. I mean, I'm not quite ready to say he's going to be one of Georgia's, you know, top three, you know, receivers. That's actually saying, uh, you know, quite a lot. But will he will he be on the field as you know part of their you know main rotational type thing? I mean, listen. To me, the, the, the biggest thing about Saturday was not just the fact that he had more than 100 yards receiving, caught a touchdown, but the fact that JT Daniels threw to him as much during the game as he did. I just don't think you do that for a guy that you have you know, intentions of kind of sliding back down into some you know, a, you know, role of obscurity in his first year on campus. I mean, I think Georgia showed you on Saturday that this is a guy they believe that can play. We've seen freshman receivers do well for Georgia before. I think they absolutely have plans to use Mitchell a lot. Now, does the productivity match the opportunity? We'll have to wait and find that out. But this is not a guy that's going to go slide back to the end of the bench after getting thrown to as much as he did on Saturday. More receptions this far. Marcus Rosemey, Jack Sane, or Adonai Mitchell? That's a great question. I'll say Mitchell because, boy, I just, I, just, I just wonder how – I mean, that's because I was there and I saw the injury that Rosemary Jack Saint, uh, you know, took. I think you're asking a really good question because it's two very different kinds of guys. I think Rosemary Jack Saint, when healthy, is a really good receiver. But for now, I'm going to say that Mitchell is just, you know, healthier than he is, especially in the early going of the year when. Listen, I took it as really good news of the day when Smart said that uh, Rosemary was close. But um, you know, you wonder what does really close mean in that regard, mm-hmm. but. My guess is they have plans on really playing Mitchell this year, Connor. I mean, they're both; those are both going to be guys that play that X position a lot, which is where obviously George Pickens would have lined up. I don't know what it necessarily means for Donnie Mitchell this year, but I think with what you at least, with at the very least, what you saw on Saturday, Donnie Mitchell is going to be a player at that wide receiver position for Georgia for the next couple of seasons. It's clear he was better than the I guess three hundred ninety-six yeah. or whatever prospect he was coming into the program. It's clear for a variety of reasons that he's going to end up being, I think, a better player than that recruiting ranking shows. I just wonder with what Georgia has and with what Georgia's going to get back, they're going to get back Jermaine Burton. They have Terrace Jackson. Well, I thought, well, he didn't light up the scoreboard or, or reception board. He looked really good when he had the ball thrown to him, made a really nice move on that touchdown catch on Chris Smith there. I mean, you've got your guy, D-Rob, that's got to get receptions right. as well. I, this year, I don't know what it's going to look like with the Don A. Mitchell. But it's clear Georgia has a player at wide receiver in this 2021 signing class, which I don't think any of us would have said as much as a month ago. So I think just seeing him come out and do that and showing that he can be, especially with his size and speed combination, a real player for this Georgia offense for years to come. I don't know how much it means for 2021, but I like what he can potentially do on those 2022 and 2023 teams. I thought it was eye-opening that Smart compared him to Jordan Davis, a guy who is pretty clearly from the word go Mm -hmm. better than his recruiting ranking would have suggested. I might make a different comparison, though. I might say that Adonai Mitchell's a little bit like what Brian Harrion was when he first arrived at Georgia in 2016, a guy that, 
you know, the recruiting industry didn't really get it wrong where they just didn't have a chance to see him very much. And so you can't really yeah. evaluate somebody you didn't see. You can't give him a proper ranking when he's not kind of going through some of that stuff. And Mitchell obviously had a little bit of an unorthodox last 12 months before coming to Georgia. But from the word go, Harrigan was a guy that Georgia felt comfortable playing in 2016 and probably would have had bigger numbers at Georgia than he did if it wasn't for the fact that Georgia just had so many running backs while he was, you know, playing at UGA. I mean, to me, Mitchell, because of the fact that he just wasn't evaluated very much by the industry over the course of the last year, this to me sort of feels like one of those Brian Harrigan type things where Georgia brought him, brought him in knowing that he could play and it was all of us, at least me, I certainly remember the, the way I felt, all of us who kind of learned, hey, this is a guy that Georgia was kind of in on that maybe some other folks were sleeping on. Yeah, I, I mean, Kirby Smart, I think, mentioned this when he was asked about him uh, before G-Day. Last year when, he, when Adonai Mitchell was sending tape to Georgia coaching staff, there were trees in the middle of his workout routine. Uh, he is a guy who did not play high school football last season as he sort of reclassified to get another opportunity at going out and getting recruited. And that move looks like it's really paid off for Mitchell. He's found a home at Georgia. I think he's – again, we don't know what he's going to be like this year. I think similar – Brian Arian is an excellent comparison because while he never got a chance to really be the lead guy because there was so much running back talent around him, when he was in the game, you felt a certain level of comfort because you know, all right, at the very least, this guy is going to make the, the right and correct play. And I think Adonai Mitchell can absolutely be that going forward. Yeah, really good stuff. Connor, I know you've got a lot you're going to be writing about the, all this at dognation.com in the days to come because there's still a lot to unpack from G-Day. Thanks for uh, giving us your opinions on it here today. I look forward to talking to you soon. And thanks for being here, of course, as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. Yep, as always, was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. By the way, speaking of Kroger, I want to make sure you're aware of this, that today begins our uh, really fun promotion that we're doing. We're calling it our five-star mom giveaway. And if you go to dognation.com, you can learn more about this. Uh, a chance to nominate a mom that you know, your own mom, you know, whomever else. You're going to win a really cool Kroger uh, gift pack uh, courtesy of Kroger. So dognation.com, the place to go to learn more about this. You can also go to info at dognation.com. That's the email address if you want to enter. We're going to do five five-star moms are going to be honoring here. And what a great package of uh, gifts it is. A $50 Kroger gift card, a $50 Bath & Body Works gift card, a $50 Home Chef gift card. These are really cool giveaways here. Uh, you know, one of the things that we all know is we're obviously a very family-oriented show around here because family means a ton to me that, you know, as we get ready to celebrate moms, you're coming up in a couple of weeks. It's just, you know, such a great time to remember all the, the miles that are driven on roads, getting folks where they need to go, clean clothes around the house, and really just kind of holding it all together there on the homestead. Just moms just do so much thankless work. We should be doing things to, to support them each and every week. But obviously here during this Mother's Day time of year, a very easy time to do that. So let's honor some five-star moms. Please uh, reach out, let us know about the mom in your life, your own mom, whomever else, that's uh, just doing big things. And we will certainly uh, put them in there and make them a nominee for our Kroger five-star mom. A chance to have a great, great package uh, giveaway there. Dognation.com for more details. Info at dognation.com. If you want to uh, make a uh, nominee submission, uh, please make sure that you do all of that. So big news coming out of Knoxville, Tennessee here uh, for a moment. This was out there yesterday. We just didn't get a chance to get to it. Former Michigan starting quarterback Joe Milton is transferring to Tennessee. Now, this is interesting in the fact that Milton's actually a pretty big name. You know, Michigan starting quarterback kind of carries a little bit of cachet with it. He's former four-star recruit, former Elite 11 finalist. This is a, you know, this is a guy that had some cachet, did not play well in Ann Arbor a year ago. And 
I try to put myself in the position of, well, what if I was a Tennessee fan? What if I was doing Vol Nation Daily as opposed to Dog Nation Daily? How would I receive all of this given the crowded quarterback situation that's in place at Tennessee? Because you've got guys who've been there like Brian Maurer and, and obviously Harrison Bailey, who we know from Marietta. Hendon Hooker, the former Virginia Tech starter, transferred in as well. And now you're adding Milton in there too. And admittedly, if I was a ball guy, I would probably think this was probably pretty good news for a couple of reasons. First of all, you want as many bodies as you can in a quarterback competition in the hopes that one emerges. And there's always going to be that natural temptation to assume that if you're the coach, that you are capable. If you're a fan, your coach, your guy is capable of taking what was at one point in time viewed to be measurable talent and getting more out of him than Jim Harbaugh was able to get out of him a year ago. So admittedly, it would be easy to talk yourself into this. But there are some times in life in which the easy thing to talk yourself into is not the right thing to do. In the case of Josh Heupel, here's where I'd have to be a little bit concerned. Heupel wants to be more than just a one-year guy at Tennessee. You want to be able to establish some permanence with the program. And we've already got a situation at Tennessee where the roster, the the size of it, the the number of guys who've transferred out is so substantial that for a couple of the bigger name guys that chose to stick around, for instance, like, like Harrison Bailey, a former four-star quarterback who at one point in time had pledged his allegiance to Jeremy Pruitt but then decided to stay in Knoxville, do you really want to you know, punish that sense of loyalty by bringing in another transfer quarterback given the fact that you've already got a transfer quarterback on the roster. Now, maybe Heupel, who is a little bit of a quarterback guy, was a very good player at that position in Oklahoma, at one point in time successful offensive coordinator at Missouri, and, of course, offensive-minded guy as head coach at UCF. Maybe he's evaluated, you know, Harrison Bailey and Brian Mauer and guys like that and just found them lacking, and maybe that's why he's doing this. But for a program that's already got roster turmoil, you got five guys suspended. A quarterback is one of those, by the way. You've got, you know, I think 15 or so open scholarships. You've got big names like Kawaris Crouch and Henry Toto that you're hoping to get back to the program. You know, certainly try to keep them from transferring to a place like Alabama. You know, bringing in more quarterback bodies to make other guys think about looking to transfer there as well. For a Tennessee team that I just think is bad this year, you really want to risk your future, mortgage your future to get a little bit better right now. It seems like an unnecessary shortcut in my mind, but maybe Vols fans feel a bit different on that. By the way, speaking of Tennessee, I thought Brad Powers, who's a really pretty good, you know, gambling-themed social media follow in the college football space, had some interesting stats related to teams that that have the most and least returning starters coming back here for 2021. Now, sometimes the whole idea of returning starters can be a little bit of a of a tricky misnomer in that it's probably better measure, you know, percentage of production, but this is still a metric that matters. Uh, of the teams that have the least returning starters, Tennessee is one of those, along with Florida and Alabama. We obviously know Alabama's capable of reloading, but I would not quickly gloss over the situation with Tennessee. I mean, I would go under on them no matter what the number is. I think the Vols are going to be terrible this year. And I think that Florida, just given the fact they don't recruit as well as these other programs do, you know, the absence of guys like, uh, you know, Kadarius Toney and obviously Kyle Pitts and even a quarterback with Kyle Trask, these are not easy replacements for Florida, even with Dan Mullen having been as active in the transfer portal as he's been. The few number of returning starters matters for me, both at Tennessee and at Florida. It does not really mean a ton to me in Alabama, although I do still have, I guess, some questions related to that. But on the list of most returning starters, there are a couple teams in the country that have 20. 
but right below that is Arkansas with 19. Now, this is where I think it gets kind of interesting. Last week on the show, we talked about are there potential trap games in the Georgia schedule? And as I told you then, and I've probably said over and over again, when I answer my own question, I say, no, I don't really see one. But sometimes that actually makes me, as a Georgia fan, as someone who wants Georgia to win all of its games, that actually makes me a little bit nervous because the definition of a trap game is you really shouldn't see it coming. It kind of sneaks up on you. Arkansas is a team that, after Georgia spotted them essentially a first half, came back and easily beat on the road in Fayetteville a year ago, and Arkansas was essentially better than that in every game they played the rest of the year. Really, what Georgia did week one in Arkansas was actually a better performance. They were probably overall kind of given credit for. Um, Now, you're replacing quarterback there with uh, the Hogs, but with that many returning starters coming back, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach, was on the Fine Bomb Show this week, and he's really kind of talking his team up. He says he actually likes this team, likes the way they're kind of gelling together a little bit. He feels pretty good about what they're capable of doing. They were obviously able to keep Barry Odom as defensive coordinator, Kendall Brow still as offensive coordinator. So you hold over and have continuity at coordinator. You bring back most of your starters, a lot of guys there along the offensive line, uh, but minus that, that quarterback. How good can Arkansas be this season? And knowing they come to Athens in October, is this one of those games that, just given the experience the Hogs have, is this a game that, that Georgia ought to be watching a little more closely? I don't quite know about that. I was pretty high on Arkansas a year ago. Many of you may remember that, that I really talked up Sam Pittman in his first year. But just given the overall depth in the SEC West this year, I think year two success is going to be kind of hard to match there, to be completely honest. But uh, I think that Pittman's proven he's putting a pretty good staff, a staff together there, and they've got a lot of experience coming back, and some of the gambling folks kind of already starting to notice that. Quick shout-out to my friends at uh, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Just a couple-hour drive from Atlanta, whether it's the original property, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, or the Harris Cherokee Valley River. Luxury you know, spa, gourmet dining, really fun gaming floor. The book is now opened with sports betting right there in the mountains of western North Carolina. Easy getaway, fun, beautiful weather this spring. Uh, I know you need to get away. Take advantage of everything that's going on at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. If you want to find out more, go to Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. You can find out everything that's happening there at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Okay, so a little bit of a blast from the past here. You know, yesterday on social media, we are kind of having some fun talking about something, and uh, our buddy Sugar Ray for UGA showed an old picture of me. I think this is really funny. Obviously, on our desk each and every day, we have Eddie, the official mascot of Dog Nation Daily, and Sugar Ray showed off the um, the photo of me wearing the Eddie head. That's almost like Lee Corso style uh, here. And I, I kind of had some fun with uh, Sugar Ray about that on uh, social media there. Uh, Sugar Ray had a bunch of really funny tweets yesterday. So I'm going to shout out Sugar Ray for UGA as our golden shoe winner today as a part of our Gator Hater Roll Call. And I always appreciate all of you out there having fun with me on, on these Twitter streets and things like that each and every day. You make, uh, make it a lot of fun. By the way, speaking of having some fun, I believe in Jacksonville. We're going to be doing that again. 193 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see all of you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Hope you have a great day, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown, where we'll take a lot of your comments. Of course, don't forget to check out R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. Air conditioning unit, 
let's face it, it's about to be really, really hot. So make sure you get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs so you'll have the peace of mind you need to know that your unit's going to make it through the warm weather season that's here and on its way. rsandrews.com for more on that. A lot of comments on both Facebook and uh, you know Twitter and, of course, on the uh, page here at dognation.com. I'm going to read a couple of these. You know, yesterday we talked a lot about what I'm calling Adonai Mitchell. Zeke Meister points out that I may be pronouncing his name incorrectly. It may be uh, Adonai Mitchell, and I may be pronouncing it incorrectly. It's one of the reasons why I like going with A.D. Mitchell, which is sometimes what Kirby Smart <laughs> calls him. That may be a better thing for me all the way around there. But there is a chance that's Adonai Mitchell and not Adonai Mitchell. Maybe we should, you know, I'll, I'll try to get some clarification on that because I did say Adonai a lot, which is what I assumed that it was. But maybe there's a chance that I'm not correct on that. So I certainly want to pronounce his name the way that he wants it pronounced. Uh, good stuff from Zeke Meister on that. Navy Dog also weighing in to say that A.D. AD Mitchell was looking very good. By the way, Navy, very sharp there. You know, if, if we go with A.D. Mitchell, which is what it seems like is an acceptable nickname here, you don't have to run the risk of mispronouncing here. Uh, Navy Dog also says, I believe he's only going to get better and better. Another weapon is ever growing in the offensive arsenal. Get back the injured guys like Dominic Blaylock, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, Justin Robinson, Kenny McIntosh, etc. That arsenal is going to be very powerful. Losing George Pickens did hurt, Navy Dog says, and it hurt bad. But I think collectively, JT Daniels has plenty of dangerous weapons to go to. He says, What poor soul is going to want to tackle Big O? When he's at full speed roaming down the field. For those of you who don't know, Big O is Darnell Washington because he wears the number zero uh, as his jersey number. Navy Dog concludes by saying, I sure wouldn't want to be assigned to covering that giant. Go dogs. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Navy Dog says there today. We talked a lot about Darnell Washington on today's show. This was, I would say, a pretty impressive performance for him, matching the way that he ended last season. I think this is a guy that's really ready to compete and be a part of what George is looking to do offensively here this season. As I told Connor Riley, he has gone from being a prospect, now he's a player. And it's George's job to use him the way that you would use any other capable player. The unique nature of his skill set, that's more than just a curiosity now. Now it's a, now it's a weapon to be, to be utilized and exploited against opposing defenses. So looking forward to seeing a lot more of that taking place. We were a little long today, so I'm going to go ahead and make this a little bit short. We'll wrap up this edition of our podcast, Cool Down. But for those of you that participate, I really appreciate it. It certainly makes it more fun for me when so many of you hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. Uh, you know, on the comment section, dognation.com. A lot of folks on Twitter talking about the big news around the Georgia program the last, you know, couple of days that Chuck Dowdle no longer going to be a sideline reporter there for those uh, radio broadcasts. I, I can tell you that that radio, you know, network you know, for years, my, since I was a childhood, child has meant, you know, so much to me. So big news there with the changeover on that. But uh, Chuck, who lives in a, you know, kind of has a second home in a beautiful part of Maine, gorgeous, gorgeous uh, area up there where he lives and has his kind of vacation home, going to be spending more time up there. In the warm weather time of year, Maine is about as good a place to be as you possibly can be. And it sounds like he's going to be spending a lot of time uh, in Georgia in the winter, which is a pretty good thing there to do there as well. So we certainly wish Chuck Daddle really, really uh, well as he uh, moves on to the next phase there. And exciting to see what Georgia does next there with its radio broadcast. All right, thanks for being here on our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Hope all of you have a great day. I look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. for Dog Nation Daily, presented by um, my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.